Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Kevin Vanderput. Good morning, everyone. It's a full room today. I'm very, very excited, as per usual. Um, but I'm very glad. Uh, I haven't been actually with you in a while. You might not have realized it, but... Uh, I was in Crawley, uh, uh, there sharing because of that, the movie series, then I was in Horsham, uh, and so it's been a while since I've been here uh, doing this with you, so I'm so happy that I get to uh, share with you today. Also, we didn't know if we would be able to, because if you don't know, uh, Sharon and I, we're expecting, uh, we actually overdue now, so due date was 1st of September, so this, this week was a bit like... What's going to happen? We don't know. And it's our first time doing it, so we have no clue what we're doing anyway. Um, But, you know, the whole week I was talking to Clive, our senior pastor, uh, and to Colin, who leads the Horsham congregation. Um, and I was like, guys, if, if baby comes, then, you know, someone's got to come and speak in, in, in Burgess Hill because I won't be there. Uh, but I, I kind of want to be there and speak. So I'll prep, you prep. And you might prep in vain, but it's okay. You know, we'll work it out. Anyway, I'm here. So great. Yes. Uh, so yeah, it was messy for me, but it's all good. Right. It's September. The summer's basically over, which is okay. I hope you all had a great time. You enjoyed the, the weather. I know some of you were able to get away somewhere, which is always nice. And now we're in September already. Can you believe like how fast this year has gone by or is going by? Um, now in the summer, people are more relaxed. Usually they just they're chilling, it's holidays, school is over, um, and uh, with that, usually we tend to be a bit more relaxed with food as well. I don't know if you have special treats in the summer. I love ice cream, right? I'm not big on desserts, but I love ice cream, and um, I will have it most of the time, really, and it's, the summer's great because I know when the summer's coming, oh, it's time to eat ice cream, you know? I get, I get to have a, a treat, so, and it's funny because we indulge so quickly in those things, right? We, we're in a culture where we get everything fast and everything's available. And, uh, and, and yeah, it happened so quick. Like yesterday, last night, we had a great dinner. Uh, we had Asian food. It was wonderful. I stuffed myself with that. And half an hour later, I wasn't hungry at all. I, like I had enough food. Half an hour later, when I sat on my sofa, I went, ice cream. Why wouldn't I have some ice cream? So I go in the freezer, go a strawberry scoop, vanilla scoop, and I'm like, yes, this is great. I go into the living room, and Sharon goes like, you just had dinner. What's your problem? I'm like, yeah, but it's ice cream. Like, it's, it's my treat. Anyway, you might not love ice cream as much as I do. I think we're probably the only household on a Saturday that wakes up and goes, what should we do today? Shall we just go to Brighton for an ice cream? Yep, let's go to Brighton just for an ice cream. So they have good ice cream places over there. So that's nice. Um, we love all of that. And so much of what we do is built around food, right? We'll have three meals a day. We have loads of snacks on the go. We go out to eat. We have takeaway, all those things, delivery, whatever else there is, just eat, and all of those things. I never use that. But anyway, it's there. Um, so much is built around food. So if I tell you, who wants to give up food? You're probably going to tell me, what? Wait, you, you were just, you made it so appealing. No offense. I don't want to give up food. Food is great. Um, so when put like that, you might think, well, no, that's just a no-go. But don't switch off just yet because today I want to talk about an ancient practice in our faith called 
fasting. And um, if you have listened to Matt, who was just here, uh, he was saying that we are about to step into a week of prayer and fasting as a church. We always start the autumn uh, part of the year with a week of prayer and fasting. Um, and it, it looks different um, some of the years. We, we do different things. This year is encounters in Horsham, as Matt said, and then we'll have prayer meetings on Zoom, um, just locally with us guys. Um, but we do that because it's such a great way to start this last chunk of the year, right? September to Christmas and then on to the new year. We do that. It's always an exciting week. It enables us to really come back and come back right away focusing on what's important, right? Not let any distractions get in, but just, okay, summer's over. Let's see God. Let's focus on what's important and surrender the last few months of the year into his hands, You know, it's so important to constantly let God mold us, shape us, take us from where we are, how we think, what we do, to where he wants us to be. And and there is a process of transformation in that. God is always moving, right? And we should be moving with him. And that's what we want to do really in this time of prayer and fasting. We want to seek him, seek his face, just like what we're doing in worship. Such a beautiful moment of God is just you and me. I don't know how you feel in worship, but I'm, I'm just there and I kind of, the whole room kind of becomes a blur and it's just me and the Lord and, and I get to sing out to him and I don't always sing in key, which is sad for you guys. I never sing, right? Let's face it. Like I'm never in key, but Jesus loves it and, and I love singing to him. So that is great. So yeah, we want to seek him, encounter him in fresh ways and be transformed as a result. So what is fasting, you might be asking. It's not just a diet. Let me put that first there. It's not a diet. And why do we fast? So I thought today, ahead of tomorrow, the fasting and prayer, start praying, fasting, starting, would be a great time to teach a bit on that. And before I get into my very first point this morning, I want to share the beginning of this verse with you. It's found in Matthew 6, verse 5. And it says, it starts like this. It says, when you pray, right? You probably know it's a very, very famous passage of scripture, but Jesus doesn't say if you pray, right? He says when you pray, inviting us to cultivate a life of prayer as his disciples. And we often mention that in preachers and things, to always be praying to when you pray. But later on in verse 16, it actually starts with when you fast. It doesn't say if you fast, it says when you fast. Jesus wants to invite every Christian to a life of fasting as well as praying. So we're going to look at fasting, hopefully with some fresh eyes this morning, and get, hopefully getting ready to fully engage with what God wants to do this coming week. The first thing I want to say about fasting is that God graces us for it. It's so important because God needs to be involved from the moment of the start of the idea being birthed to the completion of it. It's so important to note this. God gives us the grace to fast because it's not something that's natural for our bodies, for our minds. Most of us, as I said, will have three meals a day. Maybe if you're brave, you skip breakfast. I cannot live without breakfast. I have to eat in the morning, right? But some are very brave and they start eating at one in the afternoon with lunch. But most of us will have three meals a day and, and you function a certain way. You have your habits, you have your little snack at 10, you have whatever. We are, and we're not used to denying our flesh, denying what our body desires, what our stomach is craving, whatever else might be going on in our day. We're not used to saying no to ourselves, things that are natural for our flesh to have. 
So God gives us the grace to fast. It might not be natural, but he graces us for it. He enables us to resist those desires and puts an ease through that time so that we are able to focus all our attention on him and what's on his heart. So I want to look at our first example that we're going to find in the Bible. What we're going to do is use different stories in the Bible where people have fasted, and we're going to use those to illustrate uh, what I believe God is wanting to speak to us about this morning. So our first story is found in Deuteronomy. And uh, in Deuteronomy, there's a guy called Moses. Do you know about Moses? Yep. Yes. Okay, one person knows about Moses. That's very good. Um, and in this passage, Moses, he's leading the Israelites, right? And uh, they're in the wilderness, and he, uh, he's going up the mountain to get the uh, commandments from God, essentially, right? The tablets on which the commandments were written. So let's read together. If you've got your Bible, open it there, Deuteronomy 9. Uh, otherwise, it's going to come. Don't you think that slate was particularly good, the grace thing? I spent an hour doing that this morning. Anyway, Deuteronomy 9, verse 9, it says, When I went up on the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant that the Lord had made with you, I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Now, please note, that's a long time. I ate no bread and drank no water. The Lord gave me two stone tablets inscribed by the finger of God. On them were all the commandments the Lord proclaimed to you on the mountain out of the fire on the day of the assembly. At the end of the 40 days and 40 nights, the Lord gave me the two stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant. Then the Lord told me, go down from here at once, because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have turned away quickly from what I commanded them to do, oh, sorry, from what I commanded them and have made an idol for themselves. So I took the two tablets and threw them out of my hands, breaking them to pieces before your eyes. Then once again, I fell prostrate before the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. I ate no bread and drank no water because of all the sin you had committed, doing what was evil in the Lord's sight and so rousing his anger. I feared the anger and wrath of the Lord for he was angry enough to destroy you. But again, the Lord listened to me. And the Lord was angry enough with Aaron to destroy him. Yeah, because Aaron took part in the business. But at the time, I prayed for Aaron too. Now, it's a pretty intense time for the Israelites, if, uh, to say the least. They have sinned against God, right? They built an idol while Moses was up the mountain. Um, and Moses was getting the commandments from the Lord on Mount Sinai. And right at the beginning of the passage, we see that as he was up on the mountain, before receiving the tablets, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights without bread or water. Now, if he didn't have bread or water, we can assume he just didn't eat and drink, essentially. Um, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights without bread or water. I don't think we realize how impressive that is. Actually, scratch that. It's impossible. Uh, any scientists in the room? No? Uh, how many days can you last without water, according to people? I see three over there. Yeah, exactly. So scientists, smart people say you can last without water three days on average. I actually read a study while searching for this that says you could possibly push it to eight to ten days, but nothing beyond that. Moses went on for 40. That's still long. Even if you take 10 days, that's still 30 days off the mark, right? So we have to realize that actually the 
the action of him doing that, Moses, was only through God. It's a miracle in itself that he could do that, let alone pray and let alone get the tablets and all of that. But the action of not eating and drinking for that long was a miracle in itself. Now, remember what we said. When we fast, we're being led by God, right? And he graces us for what is ahead. What I mean when I say graces us, there's, an, there's a grace that comes upon it, right? So if God says, hey, you're going to fast for the next 21 days. You're not going to eat. Yes, you can drink, whatever. There is a grace that comes upon that moment. It might seem hard in the natural, impossible, maybe. Well, God, I really like this food, or I really like my, my, um, my fizzy drink or whatever. But there's a grace that comes upon it because it's initiated by his spirit. He carries us through that. That is why we need to make sure that God has spoken. It's not something we just step out in our own strength and be like, yeah, I'm not going to eat. And then three days in, we give in because food's too good. Um, it's important. Because naturally, again, what Moses did was impossible, impossible. Um, 40 days. And then we don't realize this as well, but he comes back down, breaks the tablets, and then goes again, 40 days and 40 nights, right? Because of what the people have done. So at first he's up the mountain, spending time with God, getting in tablets, very positive. On the back down thing, he's pleading with God, please, please forgive them, essentially. But in all of it, God sustained him. And God will sustain us as we pray and fast. He makes sure that our bodies are sustained, our minds are clear through it all. He graces us for it. That is why when you saw maybe the video that Clive uh, made ahead of the praying and fasting, uh, ahead of any prayer and fasting, he will always say in those announcements, hey guys, be asking God how what this week will look like for you. Be asking God what he's asking you to pray for, what he's asking you to fast. What does that look like for you? We don't want to assume that everyone is going to do a full fast, but maybe God is speaking to you about fasting breakfast or maybe two meals a day uh, or maybe certain types of foods or maybe it's something else than food. You know, media takes a lot of our time today, TVs, etc., everything that is consuming us in one way or the other. Although Pastor Helena Croft says this, uh, she leads uh, the congregation in London, um, and she says, it's amazing how Christians can come up with a thousand different ways to fast that still include eating. It's very true, very true. So um, let, let God put that, you know, let, let God speak and don't say, oh no, I'm, I'm going to eat. I'll, I'll fast something else, but I'm going to eat. Because if he's going to ask you to it, he's going to grace you for it as well. Thank you, Jesus. So before we start the fast tomorrow, maybe this afternoon, if you haven't already, maybe tonight before you go to bed, spend a bit of time with the Lord and say, well, God, I don't want to, you know, if the church is stepping into this week, I want to be part of that. And I don't want to assume that I'm just not going to do anything or whatever. What do you want me to fast? What does this fast look like for me? And God is going to speak into that because he honors us Put in this week aside, put in some time aside. He wants to meet with us, right? Um, and so we can meet him during this week, be changed by him. He's going to do all of that. And have you noticed how Moses doesn't just not eat or not drink anything for all that time, but he uses that time to pray, right? It said right at the end of that passage, but again, the Lord listened to me and the Lord was angry enough for Aaron, blah, blah, blah. And at the same, and at that time, I prayed for Aaron too. So as he's fasting, he's praying. And that leads us on beautifully to our second point this morning. 
Fasting is as much about what you do do than what you don't do, right? So there is a grace for us to fast, but it's not just about not eating, not drinking, not watching TV, not doing this, not doing that. No, it's about what we do with that time instead, right? It's as much about what you do do than what you don't do. So we're denying our flesh all of that, but we also seek the Lord. That's why we always call these times prayer and fasting. Not just fasting, it's prayer and fasting. Because as we see God, it's about making space for more of him. It's about letting him speak into our lives afresh. Spending time in his presence, encountering him, interceding. We want to be more focused on God. What fasting does is it reduces the amount of distractions that is in our life. It reduces the amount of what we can focus on, etc., so that we can whole, whole, fully focus on God. It's all about Him. The goal is Him. The goal is us moving forward into His purposes. And if He isn't involved, well, again, it's really just a diet, and that's not what we want to do. The goal is God. And you'll often notice this in the Bible, actually. Fasting is rarely mentioned alone. Fasting is often mentioned in combination with something, be it prayer, be it worship. For instance, let's look at this. When Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple, so he's very young, they, they by Jewish customs, they come in to consecrate him in the temple, right, as required by the law. And as, they, as they're doing this, we're introduced to that prophet Anna, she's called, uh, and she's just there at the temple as Jesus and Mary and Joseph arrive. And it says this, verse 36 in Luke 2. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, Um, And then she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child, Jesus, to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. See that sentence there? She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Can you see how all those aspects are like blending together, all coming together at once? The worship, the prayer, and the fasting. Let's quickly look at another example. It's found in Daniel 9. Uh, At the beginning of that chapter, we find Daniel, he's getting a revelation from the prophets, right? So from reading the word. Um, We know that Daniel could hear amazing things from God. He had incredible discernment to discern dreams and things like that. Uh, and it, it happens again here through the word. It says, In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, um, who was made a ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Again, we see Daniel turning to God in prayer and petition, pleading with him. So there's this this calling on to God as well as the not eating, as well as the fasting bit. He turns to God. And there's many more examples like that all throughout the Bible. So I want to encourage you to make some time this week. Whatever that looks like for you, you close the door in your room to all the distraction at whatever time of the day. It might be easier at a certain time if you've got kids, if you've got a job, whatever. 
But just get in that room and seek God. Just ask him, hey God, I'm here to meet with you. Nothing else matters right now. I'm here to worship you. I'm here to get closer to you. And as you pray, listen to him. Listen to what he's saying. I always have a, this is my notebook. Um, I have a new one at the start of every year. And I always have it with me when I spend time with God. I write in it most days. um, And I just write what I feel God is saying. And I encourage you, just as you're in that room, spending time with God, just have that. Have something, even if it's just a random piece of paper and a pen, just to write down what you feel God is speaking into at that point. He might highlight a verse Uh, He might speak into a particular situation about yourself, about your family. Um, There might be times where you're in that room and you're simply crying out to him, worshiping him, saying to him that he's greater than it all, just like we were doing this morning early on. All that is so good because it enables us, again, when we spend time with God, when we put in all our focus on him for him to speak and for us to move forward into his purposes. And we'll also, as Matt said, have time sometimes together this week. The encounters are always incredible. It's just, it's not um, scripted in any way. It's a free space to come and meet with God. There's worship going on uh, most of the time. And then as we feel led, uh, someone will come and share a verse or a picture or something that God is saying. We might pray into some things, but it's just an incredible time. If you have no way to get there, please let us know. We can organize a a car share thing and get you there. Um, Yes, Isaac's agreeing with me. We're all getting there, Isaac. Um, God is going to honor everything that we do for him, right? He's going to speak. He's going to honor this time we are dedicating to him as a church. We can never outgive God. If you remember anything from this morning, take this sentence away. You can never outgive God. When we give of ourselves to God, when we put some time aside, when we give of our lives to God to serve him in whatever way that is, he is always going to give back. He's always going to pour back into us in greater measure, right? It says, what does it say, Sharon? More and more running over um, somewhere in the word. That is what God wants to do. Here's something, I want to share something really quick that I felt God saying in my time with him um, this week. Again, in my notebook, uh, was just spending time. I was reading the Bible. I have a Bible reading plan, and I'm reading Hosea at the moment. Uh, it's not the most um, happy book or whatever, exciting. Like it, it, It's not a great time for the people of God at that point. But I'm reading the book of Hosea. And as I'm reading, I just felt God highlighting a verse as I'm reading through that chapter. And so I paused and asked God, okay, what are you saying? And I read it again. And then I wrote it down in my notebook. And here's what, um, what the scripture says. So righteousness, it's Hosea 10, 12. So righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. As I read that, I just felt God saying that this was for now, for us as a church, as we stepping into this last part of the year, into this, this season of the year, as we do in this time of prayer and fasting. So righteousness for yourselves. God is saying we need to live holy lives, right? Righteousness, that we need to rid ourselves of anything that is not of him in our lives. Then it says, reap the fruit of unfailing love. 
We all know our love is one of these distinctive features that we have as Christians, right? We should, people will recognize us by the love we have for one another, the word says. So we want to grow strong in our love, a great bond that brings us all together as a family, right? Being of one heart and one mind, standing together for each other. That is what unfailing love looks like. And God then promises fruit will come from that. Then it says, break up your unplowed ground. This is good. It's time for us to move forward, to take grounds, to go where we haven't been before. That is what unplowed means, right? It's something that hasn't been touched before, something that hasn't been um, used before or whatever. We want to go where we haven't been before. God has more for each of you, but for each of for each of you and for all of us as a church in store. And we want to move into his purposes. Break up your unplowed ground. And how do we know where to break the ground and how to move forward? Here's the next sentence. It says, for it is time to seek the Lord. In everything, he's always the answer. Prayer should never be our last resort. When everything's falling apart, when we don't find a solution to a situation, when we, are, we feel out of control, oh, let me quickly pray. No, God should always be the first we go to. We seek him. He is the answer. He has the answer to everything. He's exactly the reason why we do these times of prayer and fasting. We seek him and he will lead us into new and fresh things. And that's how we break up new ground in our spiritual lives. We move forward in all the things that he has for us. And then the last bit, until he comes and showers us in his righteousness, showers his righteousness on you, sorry. He will be faithful, faithful to answer, faithful to be there, faithful to move us forward, faithful to reveal what he has in store for us, faithful to lead us where we need to go. Because as a church, we are church on the move. I'm not here to do one Sunday after the other. We're here because we believe that God has spoken about this town, about this region. And we're here because we want to see a turn of this tide of a godless society. See these towns completely transformed. And so we're on a journey with that. And it might look, look, not look like much today, but I promise you, we are going to keep pushing until we see the, the fulfillment of that promise. Because that is what we are living for. We were just saying with Trevor earlier, actually, you might not think this looked like much. We started here. We were eight people at best when we were meeting here on a Sunday. And three years later, look at all those full seats. You know, it's very exciting what God is doing, keeping on bringing people for the journey that is ahead. You all have a purpose in what God is doing here with his church and this congregation as well. His church with a big C because it's not just us, right? It's all of us moving forward into the purposes of God. So we want our gaze to be completely focused on him and nothing else. Make him a priority. And when we stand in that position of complete surrender and complete focus on the Father, I find that often what happens is God starts to share his heart with us, Right? Not only his heart for us, because that's often what it's about. We speak about encountering God, about time with him. It's like, well, God, what are you saying about me? Or what are you doing with me, with my life, with my family? But God also has bigger things on his heart. And he starts sharing that with us. And the last aspect that I want to touch on today is this. A time of prayer and fasting is helping us 
to take the focus of ourselves and onto God and the things that are on his heart. It can be people, situations, it can be a region, like I was just saying, the town and around, or the nations even. Here's what the prophet Isaiah says about fasting. It's found in Isaiah 58. Uh, In my Bible, in my version, the actual bit is titled True Fasting. And it starts by saying what fasting is not, right? Uh, And then it gets to what fasting is. And it says this, verse 6, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer shelter? When you see the naked, to close them and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will all call, sorry, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. Part of us fasting brings us closer to the things that are on God's heart. And it has an outworking then in our prayers, in our actions, in the way we think. Often in the Bible, you'll see when you look at fasting all throughout, people didn't fast for themselves very often. It was simply about something bigger than themselves. It was about seeking God and in that seeking, our eyes are then turns to the ones that might not know him yet, to the standing in gap for them. Or one of my favorite stories, actually, about uh, that includes fasting in the Bible is the story of Esther. Esther's a queen. Uh, she has a good life. She's in the palace uh, at the time. She lives a good life. The Jews, though, live under the ruling of another regime. And someone in the king's palace, they have it for the Jews, essentially. Uh, and they manipulate the king into letting that person go on with their plan to get rid of all the Jews. And so um, the only one that has an ability to do something about the situation is Esther, if she goes and sees the king. But she knows that if she goes and sees him without being summoned, there is a law in the country or in the kingdom that she could be killed, right? So let's read it together. Um, It says this. Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they will be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. So she's essentially saying, mate, I appreciate what's going on with the people, but I haven't been summoned in 30 days. I'm not sure I can help you. Then Mordecai sends an answer back. He says this, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, this is the very famous sentence, and who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Okay, I get it. Go, go and gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. 
Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes, stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. And when he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. Then the story goes on and Esther saves, or through Esther, all the Jews are saved. But Esther laid her life down, right? To see her people saved. She proclaimed this time of fasting for all the Jews in, in Susa. For three days, no one shall eat or drink. But it wasn't about herself. It was about the people. It was about God's heart, God's purposes. Everyone took part and did not eat or drink. And as a result, a whole people was saved. Esther could have stayed silent. Esther could have sat back and said, well, I'm good here. I'm in the palace, chilling. I won't, I won't be touched by this, so it's okay. She could have enjoyed her life. She might have been spared, but she denied her flesh. She denied the easy way and put her whole focus on God, pleading to him, hey, save my people. And through her, a way was made. A way was unlocked through Esther, through fasting, for God's purposes to move forward. So when we take our eyes off of ourselves, hear from God about the things that are on his heart, it brings us closer to the community, to the people that don't know him, to maybe a whole people, a nation like with Esther. We are here to transform things, to change towns and nations. Remember that time in the world where um, the disciples are going about healing people and then they get to this point where they're praying for this person and they can't cast out the demon, right? And Jesus says, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting, right? So, well, Jesus goes, how long will I have to be with you, you unbelieving generation? Um, so, you know, Jesus likes saying those things every now and then. Um, but then he says, how long, after saying how long will I be, he says, this type only comes out by prayer and fasting. See, fasting, putting God first, putting him above all our fleshly, fleshly needs, it unlocks things. There's things that God has on his heart that he wants to speak to you about, reveal things that he wants to use you to then stand in the gap for those things to come to pass. Yes, it has a cost. We are not going to eat. We might not uh, watch TV. We might not do all these things we usually do. But like Esther, our lives is not our own, right? If I perish, I perish. What boldness to say that. But she knew God is in control. It is no longer I who live, lives, the word says, but Christ who lives in me, right? If you've given your life to Christ, actually your life is not your own anymore. And I'm not saying that as a sad thing. It's a great thing. And we are willingly paying the cost because we know that God is going to carry us through it. And we know that we are going to see greater things happen because we need to come into weeks like this with expectation, right? I'm expecting God to move. I'm expecting God to speak. I'm expecting people to get healed and people to encounter God afresh, right? 
We shouldn't just roll into Monday this week thinking, ah, it's just another week. No, God has spoken this time into being so that things would move forward into his purposes. So we're going to seek him together. Amen? Amen. Great. It's going to be a good week. And I'm, I'm honestly looking forward. Please do not hold back. If you feel God say something to you during this week, if you have a picture, a word, a verse that's highlighted to you, if you feel like he's speaking about Burgess Hill or, or anything else, whatever that might have to do with the church, please come and share it with us. Because we only uh, hear in part and God only reveals. So we all are part of this, right? I might hear something, and you'll see, right? You're, you're not on the other end of it, but Sharon and I are. And often when, let's say, John shares something and it has to do with something, and then he thinks it might be an isolated thing, but then Phil shares something, and suddenly it's linked. And then Karen shares something, and that adds to whatever. And suddenly you zoom out, and you get this beautiful picture of what God is speaking to us as a church. But it involved three or four people to get there. God wants to use all of us. We all have the spirit inside of us, the fullness of who God is, and so we can all hear him and play our part in this. Amen? All right, we're going to finish there. I'm going to pray for us, if that's all right, yeah? And then, um, and then let God do what he wants to do during this week. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just, we just thank you for what you are doing in us at this time, for what you're wanting to do in us this coming week. Father, I pray that you, you would find me willing first, Father. I can only pray this for myself, Father. I want to have an open heart, an open mind, open eyes and ears. Father, let any distraction fade away. And I pray this for everyone else, that all the distractions this week would just take the back seat and that it would just be all about you. That we wouldn't rush into this week, but we would make, we would be intentional. We would make time to hear from you, to pray into things, to worship you. In the intimacy of our own house, of our own bedroom, wherever it is. Father, I thank you that you have things that you want to speak to us about, to each of us. There's not one that is going to miss out, Father. You want to bless us. You want to heal us. You want to transform us. But beyond that, you want to start moving in our towns, in our region, in our nation. And Lord, we are part of the chosen one that are going to bring that change forward. So, Father, we say ahead of this week that we are here for you. Me and my house, we will serve you, Lord. Find me a willing vessel. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I want to finish by reading this scripture. Um, Sharon received this in her time with God this week. And uh, it's not, per se, linked to fasting, but I think... It might have to do with what God wants to do in us through that week. Um, it might be for someone specific. It might be different parts for different people. Just listen to it as I read. It's found in Leviticus 26. It says this, If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield, will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Your threshing will continue until until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until planting. And you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in the safety of your land. I will grant peace in the land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. 
I will remove wild beasts from the land and the sword will not pass through your country. You will pursue your enemies and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000 and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers. I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. Let me read that again. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. I will put my dwelling place among you and I will not abhor you. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That is so good. Father, we are so thankful that you have made a way for us to have this beautiful relationship with you, that you never give up on us, that you're always there for us, that you want to meet with us more than we ever want to meet with you. Father, you are always there ready on the edge of your seat. Come on, son, daughter. I want to tell you things. I want to speak to you. I want to show you things. I want to just spend time in your presence. Father, I thank you that all those words we just read are true. They are yes and amen. I thank you for the favor that you place upon each of us, that all of us here are blessed and that we will be blessed in this coming week as well. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.